When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With records, test results, and care team, you are always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I am in cloudy, kind of overcast Minnesota. I believe Mark Watson is in maybe sunny California, but either way, I get the uh, pleasure to be joined by Mark Watson, the one and only Mark Watson, live and at preseason, I believe. So we'll get the uh, get the scoop. But thanks, Mark, for joining me this morning. Thanks, Kendra, and always. And yes, it is sunny. It is sunny. Ah. Yeah. We've been seeing those pictures and that footage come out of California from uh, from Coachella. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The palm trees, the mountains in the background, the green grass. I'm a little jealous. No, it's um, I will tell you, it does get cold here and cold. Let's use cold, use cold in a relative term. It got down to almost 40 last night, but oh no, it's goodness. good. It's the, the facilities are great. Um, you know, it, it is it really is 70 and sunny every day. So in terms of in terms of good conditions to finish off our preseason, it's it's pretty good fields are great it's at this this polo club there's honestly fields as far as the eye can see so it's a it's, it's a pretty good spot and um you know weather and all the things that you really want in a preseason are, are all here for us and real grass you know i remember going to the surf cup back in the day in san diego and playing on those polo grounds and watching yeah. games on those polo grounds it's literally like a putting green it's like you know if you watch the waste management phoenix open last week during the yeah. super bowl time and, and you see those that grass and those fairways that's kind of what it's like and i know adrian and the players and everybody appreciate and you can appreciate having been a former player and coach the 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 grass and playing on real surfaces like that before you head into the regular season no it's true and literally like there's there's not better growing conditions for grass or anything really than than what they have here so sun sunlight and the, and the perfect temperature so no that's why we come there's you know there's teams coming in and out but i think there was there's 12 teams here and it's you know, it's it's becoming one of the one of the prime destinations for preseason. The hotels are great, everything's pretty close, and you know, like we said, the, the big thing for us is the is the quality of the fields, and it's it's got it here. So, yep, we, we're in a good spot. I want to ask you about that quick before we dive into sort of the roster and the additions because we did get to to chat with you before. I think it was the last podcast we had of 2022 and sort yeah. of what the team was looking for, recapping 2022 in the season and sort of maybe feeling like what what holes you know holes do you need to fill and also where do you need some depth? But when you are looking at 2023, and you guys have done a few different preseason tournaments now. You've done the Portland thing a couple times, going to Florida, been to Phoenix, been to Tucson. What are some of the boxes that you, you check? Is it the competition, the conditions, the is it all of the above? Because this seems like a really good group that's been in and out of Coachella to get some real quality competition in there. So so you're right. It's all of the above. And sometimes it's, you know, if you do things for a couple of years, you want to change. So we always we typically do Florida in and around central Florida. So Orlando, we've done Melbourne, Florida. So you want you want 
the hotel, you want weather and you want teams in that vicinity. So Florida certainly has that for the first phase of preseason. And then, you know, they, they build these little mini tournaments into the last sort of 10 days. So you play a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, <clears throat> going into the final, at uh, the final weekend of the season. So, um, you know, I think this is, I know a couple of teams came here last year, but this is the first year that teams have, have really come unmasked. Like, like I said, I think there's 12 teams. So there's games going on everywhere. Um, you know, the facilities, hotel, and like I said, the, the training ground are first class, you know, and that's what you're looking for. You want, it's, it's not a difficult, you know, combination. The hotels are excellent. You know, the, the fields are, are first class. The weather's great. You know, we've done the Portland tournament in the past and the weather's not great there. It's, you know, 42 and, you know, rain's coming in sideways. So 70 and sunny on a perfect field and you've got access to, um, to incredible facilities. There's probably 12 fields, maybe 15 fields at this facility. So t teams have their own little training area kind of, you know, fenced off so no one can see them. Teams are very secretive in terms of what they do at training. So that's always a concern. You're training right next to the other team and you're working on certain things. So there's a fence around each each team's designated training facility or training area. And then there's there's three main match fields. So it, it's, it's really got it all. And, you know, Ultimately, it's a really simple combination, but we, we have everything here. And, I, you know, I think this will be a place that teams come for a long time. It, you know, it may be the perfect spot. Well, and it's crazy when you think about even when you talk about hotels. And I know sometimes like Sean Buckley or, you know, some of the other people that have to do activations or you're trying to do other things on the side. You're trying to switch right. it up or you need a training room. You need this. Like those are all things. You're not just talking about the pitch that you're going to play on. This is like yep. all encompassing or accessibility to like walk to things. And you guys are there for a long time. That's a long time spent together. So if you can walk to restaurants and shops or things like that, or things yep. are easily accessible, what a difference that makes to just keep all the players engaged and coaching staff for that matter. We can all remember the MLS's back tournament uh, sure. down in Florida, whenever what was cooped up, you know, you start to be, yep. you start banging on the walls if you don't have all those facilities to get your season going but let's talk yeah. about the season let's talk about the roster when we did talk to you at the end of 2022 there were clearly some areas that you were focusing on and and some possible signings I'm assuming now the guys that we see that have come in are some of those signings that have come to fruition do you feel like you checked some of the the boxes um specifically maybe with Miguel Tapias which we know was I think that was a big move for you guys but not only to get him in now and to be a part of what you want to do, but just another young center back with the ability to play on the left side. And then Mikhail Marquez also to come in and kind of help fill that role, maybe until a player like Bakai Divasi comes back. Yeah, no, I, I, we're not finished yet. We still have a couple of potential things to do. Um, but yeah, that was a big area of concern, not, not concern. It, it was one of the areas we wanted to address. And we think we've had one of the best center back combinations in the league for, for a couple of years now experience solid you know they have a great relationship but also with with Bakai's injury you know we we had to you know plan around it and you know all credit to him he is he is doing everything possible and he's such a good pro so if there's ever ever anyone to, to get back early and get back to the level he was at as soon as possible it would be him but we did need to you know build a contingency around that so we feel really good with you know the two players so Miguel Tapias more experienced he's played at um, at Pachuca for a while, high level league MX, you know, at a, at a really good club in Pachuca, won the championship a couple of times on the bounce. So we feel really good about him left footed. You know, we, we really, this, this may seem sound overly obvious, but we really want a left 
left-footed center back playing left center back. You know, sometimes you just have two center backs and they typically can be both right-footed. And it's just, you know, you can get by, but it's just easier when you have a left-footed player on that side. Everything's just more natural. So we really like Miguel. Um, you know, we we signed him to a pre-contract. So if a player's in the last six months of their deal, you basically sign them, um, sign them for free. And, you know, he was planning on joining us on July 1st. We wanted to get the deal signed and then try and expedite his arrival date. So we did that. And we're able to work out a deal with with Pachuca to get him here early. So he's coming fit. We're waiting to get all his paperwork done, which we think should happen in a couple of days. Um, and we we feel really good about him. Good pro, good player, you know. And uh, younger makes the group much more competitive and and deep. So we feel we feel really good about Miguel. Uh, Marquez was another another signing we really like. The league is is going to you know a lot of younger signings with the U twenty two initiative. Um, and we we found Mikel playing in Sweden. He's he's Swedish, um, Brazilian, really impressive kid. Speaks like thirty seven languages, um, you know, and and really really incredible talent. You know, he's not the finished article. He's he's twenty one years old, but we think he's going to be a, a top player. He can play multiple positions. So we see him as a as a center back, but he plays right back. He plays left center back. He plays left back, and he plays in central midfield. So. Um, we think he's got a really bright future. So, you know, as much as anything, we wanted to build some depth, some youth, and we think we've we've covered that for the years to come. So we we feel really good about that, you know. And we have Bakai Debassi, um, hopefully joining the group as soon as possible. And you know, it's going to be very competitive for spots there. I know in the past you guys have continued to add, you know, players in the midfield and in the attacking positions. And this this off season, it was a little bit maybe more focused on the back line with just knowing not only the age of Michael Boxel, who still seems to just be like a machine and continue on, but Brett yep. Coleman there as well. And you just talked about the injury to Debassi. So you added Neil Henry, who was coming off a little bit of an injury plague time to make the Canadian national team for the World Cup, but ready to, you know, I talked to him a few weeks ago and he just seemed ready to jump in and prove himself. He was pumped to be fit for a whole preseason to be able to compete for a spot. Valentin, obviously, Zarek on the right-hand side also. Then you've got DJ Taylor coming back. You've got Benitez, who I think we found out, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe a little bit more on the attacking side than the defensive side on the right-hand side as a wingback. So was the back line a really point of emphasis? And Kamar Lawrence on the left, we know he's left-footed, but now Neil Fisher's gone, who could play on that left-hand side. So maybe... Now, it, you know, Tapias could be another one that can play in a back three, a back four, a back five with the left foot. You guys really emphasized the back line this year. We did. We did. So, yeah, and, and we've, we've not had that group together this whole preseason just because there's injuries and guys coming in. And But that, that there was a definitely an area of emphasis. You know, when you look at your roster build, you know, it's you have to you have to keep in mind the budget. So that's always that's always kind of a guiding factor. Um, but you know, you want it, you want to get better every year. You want to get a little deeper. You want to get younger. So we, we feel good about all the moves. And I think once everyone's in and, and ready to go, I think we've got a, a good group and a, and a deep group, you know, at least two for every spot. And and you want that, you want the, the competitive side. You know, I think all of us need that and, and it pushes players. Um, we also added Ryan Jiba, who we, we think is going to be really good. So he came in, he's, he had a couple little, um, a uh, couple injury issues. So he's, He's working through those. Kamar Lawrence, like I said, M- Miguel Tapias, Mikel Marquez, Sarek Valentin. He's a he's a great kid and a great player. Big big leadership qualities. Can play anywhere. Um, yeah, B- 
big competition at right back, DJ Taylor and, and Benitez. So, you know, once we get everyone healthy and in, we, we feel really good about, you know, whoever is going to win the starting job. And that's, that's really important, you know, so that's, that's going on here. Everyone's on the same page, but there's major competition for places, which is something we want. Speaking of competition, I know the first um, couple podcasts I did, I, I didn't hear anything negative about Cameron Dunbar as far as what he came in, how he came in. Adrian Heath said to me, look, this is a kid, the second he knew we were he was coming here from LA Galaxy, a young player, 21 I believe he is, is he wanted all the tapes. He had watched all the film of all of our games last year. He's He's yep. a learner. He want he you know he could read the game. He's clearly got some qualities from an athleticism standpoint with speed, but he learns the game, wants to learn the game, reads the game. What have you seen from him? What did you guys like about him? I've seen exactly that, Kinder. Honestly, he's he's a, he's a great kid. You know, he he had an interesting story. He started in the LA Galaxy first team at seventeen and played a lot of games. You know, at the time there was a, there was a different coach. Coaches have have preferences they have certain players they want to play and he was in that group at 17 years old so that's that's a big sign of you know his level of quality um we were pretty fortunate to get him we thought you know he the, the new coach came in he had different players in mind you know and you know their their loss is our gain so he's like i said he's 20 years old he's he's been in the league three years so you're just do the math and you know he's 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 way ahead of schedule. I mean, he would be a he would be a college sophomore, and he's got three three years of professional professional soccer. So, um, great kid has a smile on his face, trains like he plays, which is a hundred percent. And we think he's got a really bright future. So, the 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 deal was great for us. You know, we like I said we felt really fortunate that he was available. Um, so a young great kid who has a really bright future ahead of him. Competition for places again. You know, so we're we're really happy with him. Um, like I said super positive influence comes to train hard every day and he'll be competing for spots as we move forward. What spot would he be competing for? Who is he pushing right now? That's in front of him. Because I know he's got some versatility as well from an attacking, attacking role to be able to go forward and, and, you know, get on the end of things, but also create things at the same time. Who do you see him pushing the most so far in preseason? Well, I think he's got some versatility. So his, his probably best position would be left midfield but right-footed, so he's naturally coming inside to the little pockets, but he also wants to run in behind. So I think he can do both. He's soccer player, smart, understands the tactical side, but then if he's he's wide 1v1 and it's just a you know 1v1 battle, little trick and get past him, he's got that too. So, you know, I think I think he can play multiple positions. So he'll be pushing the the starters that we, we had last year. So Franco Fragapane, Robin Lode, Bongi, you know, this is a kid that's hungry and he's going to force them to, to keep their standard really high or he's he's going to be right there. So I think any of those attacking positions, probably comfortable, more comfortable wide as opposed to like a, a central 10. But he does have those type of qualities and wants to run forward. So it's not just getting the ball and playing and, and, and moving the ball. It's, you know, wanting to do that, but also run forward and try and score a goal. A little farther up the field. I know when I talked to um, Sean Buckley a, a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about fitness and he said, Luis Amaria came in in incredible shape mm -hmm. under Garcia. And, you know, there's also this conversation of Mender in his second year. I mean, he came in so late in the second window sure. last season and you've seen it a thousand times over in your roles about what a difference it makes when the guys come back in there next year. And that we could, the same could be said for Ariaga, it could be said for Bongi. So what do you see so far in preseason from a player like Mender and how did Luis come back in? Yeah, I think both of them and, you know, the group in general did a really good job of the off season. So it was, you know, it was close to 10 weeks. It's a long time. You know, when we talk about how you manage that 10 weeks, 
you know, you've had a long season, you want to get some rest, you want to see your family, you, you have all that stuff, but then you want to make sure you, you kind of time your, your schedule correctly. So you're getting your break, then you're starting to work again. And you want to come in, like you said, as, as fit as possible. You don't need to be a hundred percent fit because that's really only achievable with multiple games. But the guys did a lot of work and it showed, you know, we test them right away to see what level they're at. And the overall level of the group was really high. So Luis and, and Mender are, are certainly in that category and they just continued on. So every day training full on, um, you know, we've, we've had a pretty hard preseason. We, um, you know, there's mul multiple sessions in a day. It's, you know, soccer in the morning, fitness in the afternoon, and you throw a gym workout in, in the middle. So it's, it's a long preseason. It's hard, but um, you know, the, the, the fitter you come in, the further ahead you'll be, obviously. Plus, you're more resistant to injuries. I think I think players that don't do the work, um, you know, they they tend to pick up injuries because we we push them pretty hard. So um, those two especially did come in really sharp, and and it's and it's it's paid off. You can you can then, as you assess the group, do do more soccer work, do more tactical work, which you, which you want to do. But you need to make sure the fitness base is there because it carries you through the season. You made the comment earlier that there may be a couple additional signings or some things that you're still working on. But when you talk about your your general philosophy for how you're looking at building this roster, because you also addressed the depth on the back line and some of the, the depth in every position, do you guys more look for a a player profile to fill? Like this is the kind of 10 we want. This is the kind of seven, the 11, the winger, whatever. Or do you, and then find that player that fits that? Or do you more have a player in mind already and see where he can fit in Minnesota United's scheme. Yeah, no, it's more based on a profile that we're looking for. So we'll assess the group. You know, you have to make your your decisions based on, you know, all the factors. Obviously, cost is a big part of it. So every year, you, you know, there will be movement because salaries are getting higher. Um, the salary cap did not go higher for a while. So that was really challenging. Salaries are going up, but the cap doesn't. So, you know, naturally something something has to change. So it's basically looking at that, you know, here's our group, here's where we think we need to get better. We want to get a little younger, have a good balance in the team. We want competition for places, we want, you know, essentially two players for every position. Um, you know, and then we make those decisions. We basically build our player profile with some, you know, a range of cost attached to it. And then we go out and look for that player. Sometimes the player doesn't fit exactly, but, you know, you want to have a, a, a basic shape and an, you know, this is how we play. We do have other systems. So we we do look at a secondary system and we've we've gone to a 4-3-3 in the past. Um, you know, and that's something we may choose to do. So we we actually have what we feel is a really good fit and and group to play both systems. You know, but it's it's pretty much predicated on this is what we're looking for. Here's our profile. It goes out to, you know, the network, um, our own people. We're building our our recruitment team as we speak. There's there's a lot of people um, through our networks over the years, you know, so you send out these profiles and then see what you get back. We analyze the players. We look at the availability. We look at the cost. Um, a lot goes into it, but it, it really is based off, you know, this is our base system and this is the type of player we're looking for in that position. With the, the reference to cost and budgets in the salary cap, having not gone up over the last couple of years, but salaries going up, do you have a, 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 number in mind of when you go into the off season, you know, trying to get free agents or trying to get, you know, like, do you look more in the league based on because of budgets or do you look, you, how do you decide what, what direction you're going to go international players, or is it really just whatever fits and, you know, finding the quality that you want to fill those holes? 
Yeah, uh, I would say a bit of both as well. You know, we we obviously look heavily in MLS. There's there's free agency, there's trades, there's all the end of season mechanisms, the the waiver drafts, the reentry drafts, and then we we look internationally as well. So it's just trying to put the big puzzle together. So we'll have a team shape. You have placeholders. We're looking at you know this type of player in this spot. This is where we you know this is the amount of cap space we want to allocate for that spot. But you have to be flexible. You don't you don't know if you're going to get the player you want in this position. And, so there's there's a lot of, of flexibility, but we do have a a structure and a bunch of placeholders that um, we see as a, as a good way forward. But like I said, lots of things change. You don't know if you're going to get the player in free agency. You don't know if the trade's going to work or how much the trade's going to cost. You know, and you don't know what the deal looks like when you're when you're trying to buy a player, transfer fee, salary, all the other all the other things go into it. But as you go, you keep you know you, you stick with your your basic framework and your placeholders and then as the players come in you have to readjust and try to make it all fit so a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of work but you have to be you have to be flexible and hopefully you can get it all together um we we have an april 24th deadline date this year for our for our first window you know we want the players for the first day of preseason and then there's the start of the season but ultimately it's the april 24th deadline that um that signals the end of our window Speaking of the puzzle pieces kind of shifting and moving at time and being kind of nimble um, and flexible, I know there were some rumors early on about some signings and possible signings, and Adrian Heath alluded to it in the very first um, podcast that we have. Is there anybody so far that has, you know, you thought was right there, and even if you can't name names or positions that you were really close to acquiring and it hasn't happened, but you still have till this April 24th deadline? Because I also think nobody can fully appreciate how complicated this can be until you've actually sat in that chair, the chair that you're sitting in now trying to make these deals happen, whether it's agents in different countries and paperwork and transfers and all that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. I would use the iceberg as the analogy. So <laughs> the 10% is visible above the water and the 90, 90% below. It's kind of like that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of um, work and, um, you know, intention goes on behind the scenes that doesn't, it's not visible. So we don't really share the targets. It's not something we really do out of respect for the players and the clubs and, and everyone involved. But yeah, I would say there's, yeah, it's probably 90% of the work you do goes unnoticed and comes to nothing. It's, you know, it's like I said, it's finding the right player. It's he's available. The cost is correct. You know, you never really know the deal until you get into the deal. There's numbers thrown around. You try to, you try to assess the market and the value and, but you never really know what that looks like until you, until you start negotiating. So there, there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes, but it's, it's just part of the business. Um, and I, I do want to acknowledge quickly, cause you talked about how the, the salary cap didn't go up, but you know, your budgets and the players go up, but <clears> how much are you leaning on or can you lean on sort of the MNUFC too? And now I know that Minnesota United just announced some new Academy signings as far as coaching staff and, and technical staff with uh, Fernando Adi coming in with U19s. Are you guys going to be able to lean on some of that Academy um, to, to fill voids or holes when maybe just for training sessions or how, how is that relationship going to work now that you have some older Academy teams that are being formed? Yeah. So we think this is a game changer for, you know, for most clubs, but us specifically. So we want that connection from Academy to second team to first team. So, you know, we're just starting year two of the of MNUFC two. And I can tell you the, you know, the quality of the team has, has increased incredibly from year one to two. So that's, it's a big part of our roster build. You know, we hope one day that, you know, the Academy kids will, will, will kind of fuel that team, you know, and there's, there's already three or four Academy kids that are in the second team, 
that we think have potential to be in the first team. So, you know, and there's, there's probably nothing we enjoy more to see young local kids come through our academy. They, they develop, they go, they do well enough to get to the second team. And now you can, you can play someone like Carlos Leatherman in the second team. He's playing essentially professional soccer at, you know, he's not even ready for college yet. So he's, he's been with us the whole preseason, 17 years old. He played in central midfield yesterday. He's probably a right back, you know, there's, and there's nothing we want more. So this is, this is really, um, really big for us. Um, you know, and the second team, it's not just the academy kids. You know, that's the that's the preferred pathway. But there's a lot of kids we found through the draft, through, you know, foreign kids, um, a bunch of different places to find these players. Um, the pathway is not always really clear to get into the MLS first team. There are, there are these opportunities, but you have to be conscious of foreign spots, acquisition costs. It's a little bit more prohibitive than you think. Um, but we think it's going to be a big, you know, developmental place for our kids. And and if they do well enough, and if the pathway fits in terms of all the roster mechanisms, they can actually play in the in the first team. You know, as a as an as an academy or a second team player. So, um, really exciting. Like I said, we're we're only just starting year two, and the you know the connection is great. Like I said, we have academy players training with our first team in preseason. You know, and just think of that in terms of a, a developmental pathway. It's it's pretty good. If you're good enough, you you will get there. And we now have that we now have that connection between the three teams. Um, I, I we we will want to we do want to address, of course, the elephant in the room as we're talking about versatility of players and players and tactically how you guys can change formations and systems and move people around. And I know Adrian addressed this as well in his media availability, but Emmanuel Reynoso, to my knowledge, is still not in camp yet. And I know you know his status may be a little bit up in the air. But what does that mean for you as a staff? And from from technical standpoint and from a coaching standpoint, how do you how do you replace an Emmanuel Nelson? And I don't mean replace like he's not showing up, but how how do you compensate for a player like that technically, tactically, and sort of what can you tell us about what where that situation lies from your guys' standpoint? Yeah, so you know I won't say anything more than what's been reported. You know he's he's not here. I think that's you know we put a statement out a couple of days ago. Um, you know, but for us we. We keep moving forward. Um, I think the one the one benefit our group has, and we talked about it a little bit earlier in terms of finding players for different formations. I think we've we've got a lot of um, a lot of players that are are pushing for spots, and we can do something different tactically. You know, if we don't play with a number ten, we we can do something different. We like I said, we we've played a lot of four three three, a couple other different formations, so we have that that potential to be flexible, and we've been doing that this preseason. So you know, it's it's um next one up type of mentality. You know, you, you do your best with wh whatever situation you're working through, whether, you know, the player's not here yet, he's injured. It's, it's all kind of similar. We have a focus in the group that we just move forward with the the ones that are, you know, available for selection. So um, we have a lot of, a lot of players that can do that. Robin Lowe, we have Kervin Ariaga, you know, central midfielder that can play a little bit higher or a wide player that can come inside. You know, there's Cameron Dunbar. There's we can play with two strikers. So we have a really flexible group, um, and Adrian's doing a great job of putting that all together. And I'd be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, Hassani Dotson. I'm not sure exactly where he's at in his rehab and when he's going to be available to step on the pitch. But you talk about a player that was so 
um, instrumental in what you guys wanted to do in his first couple of years, even coming in as a rookie, you can play right back, can play in the middle. You know, you've mm-hmm. got Will Trap, Ariaga, Rosales. You know, you mentioned Robin. You have players that tuck inside, like Fragapani, even Dunbar likes to come inside on that sure. left hand side. So it's not like you don't have options. But yeah, I mean, I think that when you have versatility and depth in those positions, it's going to help regardless whether it's a player missing or it's a, a player being injured. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, we, like I said, we feel really good about that group and guys being able to do different things. I mean, take Robin Lode, for example. You know, he's probably best on the right side, coming inside on his left foot. He can play the 10, which he does really well. He played a lot of time, and we were at our best when he was playing central midfield. When we had our, our Western Conference playoff run, he played number nine. So, you know, just there, you have you have players that can play different spots and be really effective. So we're looking at at the at the big picture on that, knowing that we've got we've got coverage to do a bunch of different things in a bunch of different ways. I don't know how many preseason games or scrimmages you guys have left on the slate, but when you uh, I don't I don't know when you arrived in California, but when you showed up, I mean, where does Adrian, where does the group feel like this team is? Did they accomplish what they wanted to thus far in preseason, not just based on results, but based on what everybody kind of wanted to see? Yeah. So I mean. I will say this, you always want to win. I think that's that's a, a you know an, a basic statement. But preseason really is different. So we've you know, we've had an, a, a challenging preseason. There's been injuries. You're waiting for players to get their visas and come in. Some still need to get their visas. Um, so it's it's really about, you know, at the end of it, you feel the group is fit, healthy, they're up, they're all on the same page. They have they have an understanding of what you want to do tactically, and they're ready to go for the season. So uh, you know, we'll have our final game this Saturday, which ultimately is is you kind of build up for that point. You you know, you want your your main group to play 90 minutes prior to the, the first game of the season. That's the that's kind of the main objective getting through the end of preseason. But even yesterday we played we played the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, the facility where we're at allows you to do a bunch of different things. So there was an actual game, but then we went and played an extra an extra 45 minutes on a little side field. So the we played a second team they played a first team you know and it's just it's just going through things getting fitness you know we we had um i think six players 21 or younger playing in that group yesterday and that was really nice to see they played against san jose's first team you know they had a little bit too much quality for them um but you you're able to do those types of things in preseason carlos leatherman 17 years old played in midfield against carlos grezzo who's you know they just spent five million dollars yeah. on him you know and he did really well so there's there's all these different things that go on it's not just hey we want to win every single game and then carry that into the season we certainly want to win but there are there are much bigger objectives you know in preseason but everyone kind of takes that last game that last weekend of preseason as the real litmus litmus test going into the season so you want to be healthy you want to get as many of your players in your new signings visas all that stuff and have have a have a good shape an understanding and have everyone on the same page going into that first game. So that's the objective coming in in Saturday. We're, we're getting a lot healthier. So Kamar Lawrence is fit again. Um, we think Tapis will be available. Mikel Marquez is, is in. Um, like I said, the group is the group is fit. They worked hard. You know, we we will train hard the day before a game because we think that's the amount of work to do um, for the long haul. So you're you're sacrificing quality in the game, but because you wanna you wanna overload them. You know, and normally you would do very little. We have a kind of a four day build up to a game. That's that's very different in preseason. You will work pretty hard the day before 
your, your game in preseason. Some teams even train the, the morning of the game quite hard. You know, so it's it's not just, oh, we lost. That's, you know, it's really negative. You have to look at all the things that go into it. So, you know, the game yesterday, our first team group did really well. They beat the the Quakes group. Our younger guys played initially and they played against a really good team. They they lost, but there was there was a lot of real positives and and a lot of things to take out of the game. Well, I'm sure that by the time you guys head to Dallas for the February 25th opener, there'll be a little extra oomph in that game anyways with uh, how the season ended last season, last year. So I'm excited to see you guys on, on February 25th. And of course, i excited to see what else maybe happens for this roster before April, uh, before the trade deadline or the transfer window closes. But I do think, um, I'm sure everybody's chomping at the bit to see this, this group back on opening day, March 11th at Allianz Field. So either way, all good things to come. And I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Thanks, Kinder. Always a pleasure. All right, great. Thanks, Wado. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Thank you once again, everybody, for joining us for another Sound of the Loons episode presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. And of course, tune in again next week for another fabulous guest and a little more insight into Minnesota United's opening day, February 25th, of course, against FC Dallas, a rematch of last year's playoff game. Thanks again and have a great weekend.